You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled The Component. Hello my radio friends, welcome to this program of Give Me the Bible. Have you ever heard about the orphans of Romania? Let me share something of this terrible situation. Under the Romanian communist leader Nicolae Ceausescu, both abortion and contraception were forbidden. Ceausescu believed that population growth would lead to economic growth. In October 1966, a decree was enacted which banned abortion except in cases in which the mother was over 40 years of age or already had four children in care. Birth rates rose during the years of 1967, 8 and 9. By 1977, people were taxed for being childless. This increase in the number of births resulted in many children being abandoned in orphanages. Together, these vulnerable groups were subjected to institutionalised neglect, physical and sexual abuse, and drug use to control behaviour. Though conditions in orphanages were not uniform, the worst conditions were mostly found in institutions for disabled children. Some of these orphanages lacked basic facilities such as for washing. Physical and sexual abuse of children was common. Sometimes children were tied to their own beds or dangerously restrained in other ways. Because the staff failed to put clothes on them, the children would spend their days naked and be left sitting in their own faeces and urine. Nurses who worked at the institutions were not properly trained and often abused the children. Due to the abuse, older children learned to beat the younger ones. All children, including girls, had their heads shaved, which made it difficult to differentiate one another. Many had delayed cognitive development, and many did not know how to feed themselves. Overall, orphanages failed to meet even the most basic needs of the children. After the fall of the regime, former staff claimed corporal punishment of all children was encouraged as appropriate discipline, and that staff who did not beat the children were considered weak. The true number of children who lived in orphanages during the communist era is not known due to the fact that it's not possible to obtain reliable data on the practices and policies that took place under the regime. Overall, it is estimated that about 500,000, that's half a million children, were raised in orphanages. After the fall of the communist regime, the conditions in the orphanages were made public and adoption was promoted as a solution. As a result, large numbers of children were adopted by foreigners in the 1990s and early 2000s. 
Nevertheless, there were many irregularities fueled by corruption and loose regulations. Improving the situation of orphans had been made a condition of Romanian entry into the European Union. But an investigation by BBC journalist Chris Rogers in 2009 revealed that conditions in some institutions were still very poor and large numbers of institutionalised and traumatised people were still held in inadequate conditions with many apparently having entered the system post Ceausescu. Many children who never got adopted either ran away or left the institution at 18. They were illiterate and lived on the streets. Prostitution, begging and drug use is common among those who came from an orphanage. Uh, from an orphanage. The conditions of the orphanages showed that not only is nutrition vital to a child's development, but also basic human contact. Due to lack of human contact, babies developed without stimulation. Even after being adopted, children had problems forming attachments to their new parents because they had spent their childhood without any love. According to attachment theory, an infant needs to develop a relationship with at least one primary caregiver for the child's successful social and emotional development, and in particular for learning how to effectively regulate their feelings. In the Romanian orphanages, children had grown accustomed to neglect in early infancy. Because of the struggle to form emotional attachment to others, such as adoptive parents, children had trouble adapting to their new lives after being adopted. There is much more that can be said. You know, that is a devastating report. But I've shared this information with you to show that many of the children who grew up in those orphanages, even if their basic necessities of food, shelter, water and clothes were supplied, there was a major component in their lives that was missing. As a result, many of these poor children, when they became adults, were dysfunctional and could not form proper, normal relationships. So what was the missing component? It was love. For a person to have a meaningful life, there are four main life components. All are important, and if someone misses out on even one of these components, he or she is unlikely to have a happy, fulfilled life. So what are those components? Well, number one, someone to love. Number, one, uh, number two, someone who loves us. Number three, something to do. And number four, something to hope for. And I'll repeat that. We all need someone to love, someone who loves us, something to do, and something to hope for.
Now, I want to suggest that with some people there is a similar problem when it comes to religion. The problem is commonly known as salvation by works, trying to do everything right in order to have an eternal reward. And one of the main issues here is about keeping of the law. God's law, otherwise known as the Decalogue, the Moral Law or the Ten Commandments, is a statement of human rights, a statement of love, that, if followed, is also the recipe for a happy, well-functioning society. And you can read these commandments in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Back when Jesus was here on this earth, the Jews, who considered themselves God's special people, had gone to extremes to keep, at least outwardly, the Ten Commandments. They even added sub-laws, rules and regulations, which they regarded as very important. And I've mentioned some of these in previous programs. But to give just one example, it was taboo to light a lamp or a candle during the Sabbath hours. One day, when Jesus was speaking to some of these Jews, he stated, You diligently study these, the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But these are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. The Jewish leaders to whom Jesus was speaking thought that they would be given eternal life as a reward for their rigorous lifestyle and law-keeping. People who follow that type of philosophy are known as legalists. But Jesus pointed out that their legalistic pursuits were a complete waste of time because it was and is only through him that anyone will meet the conditions to be given eternal life. Does this mean, then, that we should not worry about keeping God's law? Well, the Apostle Paul answers that question for us in Romans 7, 7. And this is what he says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? That is something to be avoided? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. And then he concludes in verse 12, So then, the commandment is holy, just and good. There is nothing wrong with the Ten Commandments. It is why and how we keep them that's the issue. Yet, in our time, there are plenty of religious people who hang on to that false belief that God's holy law, the Ten Commandments, was annulled, thrown out, tossed in the bin like a dirty rag at the cross, at Jesus' death. But these people forget that Jesus died on the cross to pay their and our penalty for breaking that very law. He met the demands of the law. 
So if Jesus both kept and honoured these commandments, why would they be tossed away? In commenting about the moral law, Jesus said, as is recorded in Matthew 5, verses 17 to 19, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish, but to fulfil. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So, anyone who short-sightedly claims that the moral law has been abolished contradicts what Jesus said. I have read all Jesus' statements recorded in the Bible and there is no mention of the commandments being tossed out because there's nothing wrong with God's law. It's the backbone of society and the laws of the land are firmly based on it. But those who claim it has been removed are certainly wrong. It was the ceremonial law that was abolished at the cross because the ceremonies of animal sacrifices for forgiveness of sin were no longer needed. The one those ceremonies pointed to had arrived and completed what was needed to cleanse us from our sins on that cruel cross of um, Calvary. Well, we're going to have a little break and go on straight afterwards. Well, a man walked down by Galilee, so the holy book does say. And a great multitude was gathered there without a thing to eat for days. Up stepped a little boy with a basket, please take this, Lord, he said. And with just five loaves and two little fishes, five thousand had fish and bread. Who was it, everybody? Who was it, everybody? Who was it, everybody? It was Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now pay close attention, little children. It's somebody you ought to know. Yeah, it's all about a man that walked on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. Well, he healed the sick and afflicted, and he raised them from the dead. Then they nailed him on an old rugged cross and put thorns on his head. Who was it, everybody? Who was it, everybody? Who was it, everybody? It was Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, they took him down and they buried him, and after the third day, when they came to his tomb, well, they knew it was gone, cause a stone was rolled away. He's not here, for he is risen, the angel of the Lord then said. And when they saw him walking with his nail-scarred hands, they knew he came back from the dead. Who was it, everybody? Who was it, everybody? Who was it, everybody? 
It was Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we have the argument that God's law, the Ten Commandments, was given only to the Jews. Yes, God did give his law to the Israelites at Mount Sinai. He gave them to and to be transmitted through the Israelites. However, the precepts of the law were well known and well understood before Sinai. Suppose the law was given only to the Jews. Does it therefore apply to you at all? Is it okay to steal, to kill, to commit adultery, and so on? Well, of course not. God's law applies to all people in all ages. And here's what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7.19. Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Law-keeping is good, but keeping the law in order to be saved is not enough because the law cannot save. It delineates what is acceptable and unacceptable standards of behaviour, but beyond that, it has no power. The Apostle Paul describes the law this way in Galatians 3.24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster or instructor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. So then we have a dilemma. If the law continues to exist and given that it cannot save anyone, why should we keep it? Firstly, if you don't keep it, you sin. And the result of your unforgiven sin is eternal destruction, death. Secondly, there is a very positive reason for keeping it. That reason is found in John fourteen fifteen, And here's what these, this verse says. If you love me, keep my commandments. Ah, this is the key. We are to keep the commandments as a response in recognition for what Christ has done for us. In other words, we keep the commandments because we are saved, not to be saved. And love is the key. First John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 adds this. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. To claim to love God and refuse to keep his commandments is a complete contradiction. To claim to love God and refuse to keep one or more of those commandments is also a contradiction. And I should point out here that God's commandments are not faithfully recorded in some Bibles. The Douay version of the Bible 
has tampered with God's Ten Commandments, completely missing out the second one about images, and splitting the tenth one about coveting into two, to make up for the one that's been removed. Besides that, the fourth commandment has been tampered with to make it almost meaningless. The Lutheran Catechism also follows the Catholic model. If you want to read the full version of what God commanded, you need to read it in a standard version of the Bible, such as the New King James Version, New International Version, and and there are many others. Your genuine love and appreciation for what God has done for you is shown in that you choose to do His will and keep those commandments, all ten of them. Love expressed in obedience is the component that matters. I'll repeat that. Love expressed in obedience is the component that matters. John 4.19 explains why we choose to love God in the first place. It says we love God because he first loved us. When we come to realize the extent of God's love for us, in that Jesus willingly gave everything possible, including his life for us, it evokes a response, something that genuinely shows our appreciation. And that appreciation is love for God, shown in obedience. How's that love demonstrated again? It's shown in obedience. I know that many Christians claim to love the Lord, but at the same time some of you have been holding back. You're like a son or daughter sent to the supermarket or grocery store with a list to purchase ingredients to bake a cake. When getting home, your mother asks, Where are the eggs? I require eggs to bake the cake. Partial obedience is not enough. So what's your excuse? Have you neglected to keep all the commandments? Or are you satisfied with only keeping some? In view of that, what do you think God thinks about you? He has showed all his love. Are you showing all or only part of yours? Last night I lay sleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem, beside the temple there. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels from heaven in answer rang. Methought the voice of angels from heaven in answer rang. Changed, the streets no longer rang. Hushed were the glad hosannas, 